It's one of the most iconic opening lines of any Christmas song. So common, in fact, that it's often mistaken for the song's title. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. To many, the warm tones of Nat King Cole conjure instant Christmas nostalgia. Recorded in 1946, not long after the end of the Second World War, Cole's song was initially rejected by Capitol Records because they didn't think Americans would want to buy a Christmas song by a black artist. Later that year, Cole had a major hit with the song I Love You for Sentimental Reasons that helped smash the color barrier and fans wanted more. The Christmas song was released six weeks later. Nat King Cole recorded four versions of this song and it endures today as a timeless holiday classic. Join us here on Tinsel Tunes as we discuss the Christmas song. eyes all aglow, we'll find it hard to sleep tonight. Let's get this party started. Welcome to Tinsel Tunes, the Christmas music podcast. I'm your host, Scott Newman, and I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite Christmas songs, The Christmas Song. With only one week to go until Christmas, it's a perfect holiday song to discuss today with my co-host, Dwayne Bailey. Dwayne, it's so great to be back here with you for another episode. Yes, I am absolutely stoked, as we say here in New Zealand, uh, to be here with you recording this song. This is a great song. Yeah, this was your idea, and I'm really glad you picked this one. I wasn't sure what we were going to do, and I wasn't sure if we were going to have time to do this, but we got such great feedback from the last episode that we did on It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. I'm really glad we were able to squeeze one more out for December. It's almost Christmas, buddy. It's almost the big day. I know. We're in single digits and uh, counting down those days. It's uh, And my Christmas display is working perfectly, even in all this rain. I'm having a great season this year. And on Christmas morning, a bunch of people emailed in and said, hey, give me the information on the towns and lights. I'm, I'm glad to see it's going well. I'm, I'm sure you'll be um, taking a nice rest after this week and, and maybe after New Year's. When do you take them down? So it pretty much dies off just after Christmas. So I leave it up for the stragglers and then January comes, I take it down because it's also indicates the start of my summer. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to remember that you guys are in summer. I was just out today in the ice and the snow, <laughs> but I'm sure it's completely normal to you. I just have trouble picturing a warm Christmas time. I'm, I'm sure you're used to it. Very much used to it. And in fact, it also coincides with the fact that a lot of the country not closes down, but if you're not in retail or in emergency services or anything like that, your business will usually close down over the between the Christmas and New Year period. And you might go back on the first day back after the stats or the week after, oh, wow. which is what I'm doing. Yeah, so Christmas usually coincides with having a bit of a holiday as well. Well, you guys do it better than we do here in the U.S. I have to use <laughs> my vacation days for that, but I don't mind. I'm looking forward to it. You picked the Christmas song today. Can you give us a little history about this song? We obviously played one of the Nat King Cole versions, and we'll get into the multiple versions. We played the most iconic one during the intro, but this song has a bit of a history, and it all centers around Nat King Cole and, and I believe Mel Torme and someone else. So uh, what can you tell us about it? It does. So it uh, centers around Mel Torme and Bob Wells. So as, you, as mentioned, the song was written in the summer of 1945, 
and it happened to be a really hot, oppressive type of day, and Mel, while he was at Bob's house, found four lines written on a spiral pad. Now, these lines weren't lyrics, they were just lines, and they went, Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. Uh, the reason he did that is because he was trying to keep cool by thinking cool. <laughs> that's um, and, yeah, that's quite quite a good way to do it. Um, and he thought by amusing himself in the thoughts of winter that he would cool off. And then uh, what happened then is these uh, these lines were found by Mal Tomei, and Bob wasn't anywhere to be found. And so when Bob and Mal finally got together and they spoke about it, believe it or not, in about 45 minutes after that, they had a song written. Oh, that's great. You know, I keep coming across that, whether it's All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey and, and the other songwriter, or uh, there, was, there was another one recently that, you know, within an hour, the song had been put together. And I keep hearing that, and it blows my mind. Something so incredibly timeless that's been played so many millions of times yep. came together that quickly. And it's fun to see pictures of Mel Torme from 1945, because I think of the Velvet Fog as a very old man because in the 80s when I knew of him, at least. But he's just, he's almost a kid. In these pictures, it's incredible. Yeah, um, and, and, but to have the foresight to see these lines and go, you've got something here. So basically, once they wrote the song, it actually had a number of titles. Okay. So it wasn't called Chestnuts Roasting on Open Fire, which is what we've come to know it as, or the Christmas right. song, which is its official title. It was originally titled Merry Christmas to You. Now that's interesting. I can see chestnuts roasting on an open fire, and we see that as kind of the subhead or whatever you might want to call it or, or what yeah. it's called in parentheses when the song is uh, listed, but I never see Merry Christmas to you. No, I, in fact, I didn't know that was even an option until I did the research. Yeah. <laughs> that's an option, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did the song fall into the hands of Nat King Cole? Well, um, there's a couple of stories. So I ended up listening to a audio of Mal Tomei's son, and he told the story that once the song was written, they very excitedly and almost immediately knew they had a hit on their hands. Okay. So they rushed it over to Van Houston Publishing, who pretty much dismissed it by thinking no one would ever want a song that is only popular once a year. <laughs> okay. Good foresight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feeling dejected, they took the song that same day to the house of a certain singer called Nat Cole. All right. Uh, what happened then? Well, just on the flip side to that, the other story goes that he heard it being played on a jazz piano in a jazz club. By, by Mal Tomei. Oh. So I've taken this one because it came from James, his son. So um, okay. the other one could be completely true and this one could not be, but... It might be apocryphal. It's it's a fun story no matter what. I think it's the closest yeah, source. Right. Yeah, it's the closest source. Um, so yeah, so they played that uh, song. Uh, and apparently they only played it one and a half times. And then <laughs> Cole said, stop everything. That's my song. Oh, that's great. Whether that's true or not, it's a very fun story. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like to think because it came from James, it's got to have some truth to it. So that's the thing with the internet. And when you research, you end up with all sorts of information. <laughs> you just got to try to filter out what you think is correct. Yeah, exactly. We don't have, these aren't first sources. If it was his son, that yeah. would be considered maybe a second source. But obviously, Nat King Cole recorded it. He did. So when, when did that happen? Uh, the year later. So 1946, he recorded it um, with his trio. Um, so that was guitarist Oscar Moore and bassist Johnny Miller. 
So it's just, just just the three of them. It's fun to think of a trio. I've mentioned this on other podcasts, and I've mentioned it to you, how much I love cocktail jazz or lounge jazz, where it's a very small group. It's usually a, a piano, a bass, and usually an upright bass, and, mm. uh, and some percussion. And if it is percussion, it's you can tell me what the kit would be called when it's really just a snare and a cymbal and, and maybe something else. It's not a full drum kit, right, in those cases? No, it's usually called a cocktail kit. Oh, um, well, there and you it, go. Yeah, in fact, one of the most most popular uh, in quotation mark cocktail kits would be from Stray Cats. The the drummer used one there was an upright. He stood up and oh, okay. the bass was actually upright, um, and he had a snare and then the cymbals. Um, but yeah, to- cocktail kits are usually quite small and very stripped back. And they often play it with a brush too. Yeah, um, brushes or okay. hot rod sticks. I don't know if you've heard of hot rod sticks. No, I've never heard of that. So think of it just like um, ten to twelve little strands of bamboo, and then they're strapped together on one end as a handle, and they're a little bit loose on the other end. So they're not a solid hit like a stick. Okay, that's very cool. So the song was recorded in 1946, but that's not the version that we know today or or if if somebody said uh, the Christmas song it's not the version they would expect to hear I did bring a clip so let's play that and obviously right away it sounds very different from what we're used to Mm. how smooth is that voice though the voice is smooth the vocals aren't as well recorded Mm. Uh, it feels a little more raw but it's also a little bit amazing to hear it, yep. it gives me chills uh, to think about really what this became. A legacy is basically what it became. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I believe Mel Torme called it his annuity as well. I saw that somewhere in the research that, yeah, they, they made plenty of money from it as well. But uh, obviously this is a very scaled back if you uh, think about the version that we know. So this was the original, and that was recorded on June 14th, 1946. So if that's not the song that we know today, Dwayne, what happened next? Um, so Nat knew the song always, was always meant for bigger things, um, and he thought it would be wrong to record it with just the trio and be left at that. So he wanted some strings. He wanted the sound to be bigger and larger. So Nat and Mel, who had the same manager at the time, went to Capitol Records and um, begged to have a small string ensemble, um, but their response was a blatant no no strings. Do we know why? Was it a cost thing or just they didn't think they didn't want to pour the money and the time and the effort into it? No, but I'm thinking they maybe just thought, look, this is just a Christmas song. You only yeah. people are going to hear it once or twice and that's it. We don't want to invest okay. time or, or effort. That's what I think. But yeah. um, I would love to be a fly on the wall just to know what the real story was. Yeah. But, you know, we know what we know about it. Exactly. But uh, Nat eventually got his way because in a very rare display of frustration, he put his foot down and sort of uh, raised his voice a bit and demanded that he get what he wanted. Okay. Um, And they did cave and they let him have a small string section. As I mentioned in the intro, Nat King Cole did have a massive hit the previous year with uh, for sentimental reasons mm. and it was huge and i think it surprised a lot of people so maybe that's how he got his way to say look this is what i want and and kind of threw his weight around a little bit i hope that's what happened and he, he seems to be such a soft-spoken guy we obviously don't know him we don't know what he was like but it, it doesn't seem like what you would expect from him so he must have really really believed in in having strings for this yeah, well, he comes across as a very gentle, very mellow and, and a pleasing person. So, yeah, for him to put his foot down, I think, was probably an eye-opener for a lot of, say, Capitol Records. And they went, oh, he's actually really serious. He's very passionate about this project. 
Um, so they did give him four string players, a harpist, and a drummer. Okay. <laughs> that was and, nice. <laughs> and that wasn't very long after the original was recorded. So the original was June 14th. When did this next version happen? August 19th of the same year, 1946. Okay, so just a, a couple of months later. Yeah. I've got a version of that one as well, and I think you're going to hear the difference. Here we go. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And already we hear an amazing difference from the first one. Yeah. Now, I liked that little piano and cocktail jazz setup, but this is coming closer to what, in my mind, is the Christmas song. Exactly. We should still mention, though, this is not the version. It's not until we get to the fourth that we get to what we would call the definitive version. Exactly. Everybody knows. All right, so that was August 19th, 1946. What happened next? So in August 1953, this time with a conductor, his name was Nelson Riddle, they had a way larger string section. Okay. And this version was just as popular for eight years, and it's worth noting that this third version was still recorded in mono. Yeah, and, and that was the technology of the time. I'm, I know stereo started to come around in the 50s. I'm not exactly sure when it was, but a lot of stuff was done in mono. I'm a big fan of jazz, and a lot of the mm. mono recordings are considered the definitive recording, and p some people don't like the stereo one because it's not what they're used to, or they don't think it was quite as good. No, exactly. Uh, you know, but oftentimes when you go back and redo something, it loses something from the original, although I would, would argue that may not be the case with the Christmas song. No, and in fact, it's funny when you say that because, you know, you can take any, uh, say, um, Fitzgeraldi, oh, gosh, for instance. Yeah. You know, we are used to hearing the way it was recorded back then. I haven't heard the remix or the remake that's just mm -hmm. come out yet, but I'm wondering if, if it loses its magic when it's been digitized and cleaned up. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Vince Guaraldi. I'm not a real jazz snob. And, and apologies to anybody who is, you've, you've you know, probably earned the right to feel that way. I just don't hear a lot of difference between the versions, and I don't get all uppity about, oh, that's the mono one versus the, the <laughs> other one. Although it was very fun to listen to these re-releases and, and some of the outtakes to, to hear what was going on. I've got a third version of the Christmas song from 1953. But I don't hear a lot of difference. I'm going to play it. If you hear a difference, Dwayne, I want you to point it out to me. Yeah. Obviously, the strings are a little more up front here, and the recording sounds a bit better. Mm. A little more maybe present is a good word. Yep. And I would say the vocals are more clear or mixed differently. Yeah, I think maybe further into the song we might hear a difference. Okay. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos So not a massive difference. We're, we're iterating on the original. We're making it a little bit better each time. How do we get to the version from 1961? So yeah, 1961, Nat recorded the stereo version with Ralph Carmichael conducting. Um, it didn't mention either which orchestra it was, so I don't know if it was just an ensemble. Okay, but it was much larger, right? Yeah, we're, very much. Each time it's getting much yeah. bigger, and it's my understanding of the 1961 version that we're about to hear is the version, that is the definitive yeah. one, and it's the one we know. It's also the one that we played in the intro. Yeah. 
And if you're listening to this episode on headphones, you can tell this one is in stereo. This is not a mono recording. There's, there are going to be differences in your left and your right ear. Yeah. Chestnuts roasting. And the vocals on this, incredibly clear. No hiss to it, no crackle. I mean, this is clean. And my gosh, Dwayne, we said this last time, but what a perfect version. Yes. It, it really is. Like, there's just nothing I would change about this. And hearing it, gosh, every time, just instantly happy. I could hear this all the time. This is not Dominic yeah. the Donkey where I'm going to get tired of no. hearing it. You can keep playing it over and over for me, and I'm going to love it every single time. Yet, I don't hear it on our radio stations. It's just not in the in the playlist. Oh, that's interesting. But that is considered the version. So there were four versions, and it was over... Gosh, from 1961 back to 1946, uh, what is that, uh, 15 years? This re-recording went on for a long time, but then it didn't after this. Perhaps this is what his vision was all along to get to this point. Maybe it was. How did the song perform? Um, it performed very well. Okay. Um, so the original 1946 recording yeah. was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1974, which, which is uh, saying something for a Christmas song. Because not many of them make it in there. Yeah, that's true. Especially in 19, in the seventies, that was kind of a dead period for for Christmas music and, and an appetite for Christmas music. Yeah, some would say maybe Christmas music went downhill a little bit. Uh, Any of the other versions do well of of the Christmas song? They did. So the second version of the recording um, hit the record stores in the third week of November in nineteen forty six, and it became what we'd call viral. Okay, so it was a big hit. It was. His song actually reached number three on the pop and rhythm blues charts. Uh, and Capital used this version for the following seven years, and each year it would chart in the top five. Okay. And as we mentioned in yeah. the intro, it did start to smash the color barrier. This was not the era of civil rights yet. This was the 40s. And uh, there was a lot of discrimination. I'm glad to see that this really rose to the level it needed to. I'm sure it got bigger and bigger over time and more accepted, but this was an anomaly, and, and that's pretty amazing. It's like the Jackie Robinson of Christmas music. Exactly. Now, uh, you would think it would have stayed in the charts for a while after that, but it didn't. And in fact, the 1961 version that we all know and love yep. didn't actually hit any charts until 2019. Really? So it hit number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100, and that's 58 years after it was released. Hey everybody, this is Scott recording this during editing. That last fact didn't sound right, so I went and looked it up, and the song did hit number 65 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1962. Sorry about that. It's finally starting to achieve what I believe it should. This is one of the perfect Christmas songs, and at least to me, and it's a subjective. You know, but I'll argue that one all day long. Oh, I think it's very perfect. Now, I'm wondering that you know, it became back into the charts because of streaming once again. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. You didn't have to go and physically buy a record, which wasn't in, or record, uh, <laughs> CD. Yeah, right. um, that wasn't in production anymore. So the only way for it to hit the charts again was to be digital. So I'm wondering if that's why it just was easy accessible to the younger generation. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. I don't think it was necessarily used in any huge movies. I believe you found one movie it was no. used in, but we didn't even do a section on that today. It's not like some of the other songs. No, it was. And uh, uh, my memory fails me as to which one that was now. It was the Santa Claus 3. 
is the one that you had mentioned to me that it was in. Oh, yes, that's right. So that's the scene where Jack, Jack Frost, um, and the mother-in-law or mother of Mrs. Claus um, are having a little moment, and he gets her to sing um, a couple of lines of it, and he goes all Okay, I'm going to admit I hadn't seen the Santa Claus 3. That's the escape clause, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen the first two. I haven't seen the third one. Yeah, just to get sidetracked, number three, uh, everyone knows it's not as good as the first two. It does grow on you. Um, I actually do like it now that I've seen it a million times. Um, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a shot. Uh, I'm, I'm running out of Christmas content. To yeah, watch, I think so. I think you won't like it to start with, but if you watch it a few times, it has its moments. Uh, but yeah, but that particular scene, um, now the artist the or the lady, the, the actress, I should say, is someone we've mentioned before, and I cannot remember who that was because this is off the cuff. What she sings is really pretty, and if she released a version of it, we didn't find it. Uh, well, I didn't find okay. it, <laughs> um, but if uh, if she didn't, she should have because her voice is really suited for it. Well, that's a good segue in, into what we're going to do for the next section, which are you know other notable versions. And when we say notable, we're talking about versions of the song that are also done by huge stars. Yeah. Uh, or extremely, extremely well-known. We'll get into some of the fringe stuff later, and that's always a lot of fun. I have a version from Mel Torme, one of the guys who wrote the actual song, maybe the music, if, if not any, some of the lyrics. Uh, let's listen to that one. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And I don't care for this one that much, Dwayne. It doesn't no. do a lot for me. Neither does Mel Torme. I give him a lot of credit for the success he had, but I would never go seek out this version. Would you? No, uh, I think we've been spoiled with Nat King Cole's version, to be honest. Yeah, I think so too. I've got a version from Michael Bublé that we all probably know pretty well. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping. And to me, Dwayne, Michael Bublé is a modern day Sinatra, Cole, you know, crooner. Yeah. But his voice doesn't doesn't quite bring in the depth or the feel that Nets does. Yet this version, although it's good, I do feel like it's lacking something. It, yeah. There's there's some heart to it that's just yeah. not quite there, although it is a good version. Yeah. Just before you play the next one, because I know our listeners will be yelling at, uh, at, at their radios, it was Anne Margaret was, was the actress. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> okay. They can stop yelling um, now. Yeah. <laughs> you can hit cancel on that email that you were composing to, to Dwayne. Yeah. Um, I've got a version from The Carpenters, which is obviously a, a well-known one. Nuts Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols. I like the way she stretches those notes out. Yeah. folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a good version. I'm not a huge fan of the Carpenters, but there are some versions of their Christmas songs that are absolutely amazing. I think this is yeah. one of them. This is definitely one of I've them. I've got one from Tony Bennett, another crooner. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And I'll give Tony Bennett a lot of credit. Just, again, not a version that I just think is that great. Mm. I do like the instrumentation in this one, though. It's very upfront. It is. Being sung by a choir. 
Um, there is another version by Ella Fitzgerald that I would call a notable one, but spoiler, that's going to be my pick later. Okay. <laughs> um, I've got some duets that were done with Natalie Cole. Now, Natalie, the the daughter of Nat King Cole, I don't know a lot about her. Do you, Dwayne? Um, like, I don't have any biographical information about her. I know she passed in, in 2015. Yeah. Uh, so she did have a very long career, and she was very popular as well. Except for a couple of 80s pop hits, I didn't really, she wasn't on my radar. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dwayne, I, I would say that a really notable duet with Natalie Cole would be with her father, Nat King Cole. This was recorded in July of 1998 in uh, Abbey yes, Studios yeah, with yep. the London Symphony Orchestra. I'm not sure you could get more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Prestige. Prestige, yeah. authentic, yeah, everything. Yeah, maybe. Like, let's play that one. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir Folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe. Dwayne, it's my understanding that this was after he passed, but they put the two together somehow? He had actually passed before this. This is one of those digital remakes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you have any feelings on that? I I, kind of feel like (laughs) he shouldn't do that, but then again, we ended up with something that's really beautiful out of it, so uh, who am I to say? Yes. Very similar to what uh, Michael Blue Blade did with Ben Crosby. Oh, I like that. That's a good one. White Christmas, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was just one way that she could honor her father. I've got a great version of Andrea Bocelli with Natalie Cole. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his and Bocelli, you know, obviously an incredible talent. I love his opera work and you know songs like Nessun Dorma or some of those, just absolutely beautiful. So I'm glad this one exists. But again, not something that I would say, oh, I've got to hear that. I'm just, I'm enjoying hearing it with you right now. And if it came on, I certainly wouldn't change the channel. But a good version. Exactly. Many times, many ways, Merry Christmas. Some of the versions that we're going to play in a minute, they're not going to be quite as good, but they're definitely fun and i love doing the genre versions with you just you know this was one that was a little harder to find versions of because i started typing the christmas song you know acapella jazz heavy metal and i wasn't getting a lot because the searches were finding christmas songs not the christmas song but then i had the bright idea to search for chestnuts roasting on an open fire and then put the, the genre after there and i started finding a lot The first one I'm going to play was one you found. This is Peter Hollins. I believe you told me he's a uh, like a YouTube uh, kind of artist. Yes, he's been around for a while. Every year he releases a Christmas song, and he's amazing. So this is him singing all the parts. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So that's a little bit different than a straight note chaser or a pentatonics where you have other people doing the other parts. Yeah. Tiny little tots with their eyes. Oh, 
I've got a jazz version. This would be a jazz saxophone version by an artist named Gerald Albright with the Cannonball Band. I love smooth jazz as Christmas music, whether it's Kenny G or John Tesh or Dave Cause. I, th- I think it's just a, it's a style of music that lends itself well to this kind of playing, and I don't have any problem with it. Martin, this song itself leans itself uh, more than some Christmas songs. I've got a great reggae version by an artist called Is This Love? They know that Santa is on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeers really know. I think reggae music is fun, and I think Christmas music is fun, so the two just taste great together to me. <laughs> now, I've got a truly dreadful version by Twisted Sister. This would be our heavy metal one. I've got a beautiful country version by an artist named Teddy Swims, who to my understanding is another one of those YouTube type stars or, or stars that gained popularity on YouTube. Yes, not an artist that I, that I know of, but it is a nice vision. It's not roasted on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Tiny carols being sung by a choir. Um, I only know of him because Jay and I featured something from him on Jingle Jank once, and, uh, and and people wrote in and said, "Oh yeah, Teddy Swims is legit," and I would say, "Yeah, he's legit." Yeah. I've got a, a chip tune version, our obligatory chip tune version. <laughs> Although I'm going to be honest, I don't think this song lends itself well to chip tune because it sounds so incredibly shrill. It's almost like that yeah. guy playing the recorder with his nose last week. This artist is called 8 Bit Universe. I didn't find a lot of other versions, Dwayne, but I found a string quartet, and I just thought that was kind of interesting because I don't hear a lot of... This This artist is called the Wedding String Quartet. Now, in the notes, Dwayne, you had a line there that said, make sure you include a silly or a parody version. Well, I found probably the parody version to end all parody versions. This is Bob Rivers. This is Chipmunks Roasting on an Open Fire. This is the first time I'm hearing this one. Hot sauce dripping from their toes. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a bit crass. Yuletide squirrels, <laughs> fresh filleted by the choir. They poked out skewers through their nose. It's a little blue, but uh, Bob oh, Rivers wait. is an artist that I've always enjoyed and does a very good job with their covers, kind of the way Weird Al does a real good, good job uh, with the music itself. You know, believe it or not, Dwayne, we've already played like uh, you know, 18 versions, and I could I could sit here all afternoon with you and just keep playing our favorites, but we have to pull the plug somewhere. We do. Yeah. Do you have some favorites that we haven't played yet that you really like? I have two, and they're very recent. So, um, the first one is Robbie Williams released his Christmas album um, in 2019, and he did a version. Can you tell me about Robbie Williams? Because I feel like he's very popular outside of the U.S. Uh, yeah, he was part of a boy band called Take That. Oh, I've never. This is this is news to me. <laughs> From back in the 90s, off the top of my head, and so he oh, wow. was the first to leave the band. You know how there's always one that leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he usually was, the one that leaves a, first is the best too, right? Because they yeah. have the most promise. I, I might have that wrong. Uh, so I'm going to play this version by Robbie Williams. What year did you say this came out? 2019. Okay, so very recent. Mm. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child What was the other one that you recently discovered? Yeah, so this came um, purely by accident. So this, the artist is Jason Neubauer. It's N-E-U-B-A-U-E-R. Yeah, I would say Neubauer. Uh, Neubauer, yeah. Yeah, something like that. How did you find him? Yeah, purely by accident. So I was on Twitch um, looking around to, to watch artists you know, play. Um, And he's a guitarist and he just happened to be playing another Christmas song at the time when I clicked into his stream. And he then also played this one as part of the stream and I fell in love with it straight away. Now, I don't know who Jason Neubauer is, but I'm going to give him a lot of credit that he sounds a lot like a Steve Vai or Joe Satriani, something like that. He's very buttery smooth, a lot of legato here, you know, transitions between notes are, they're not staccato at all. I like this quite a bit. I I think that was a great find. I I really enjoyed that. You asked what my favorite version was, and it's not one that we've played yet today, although I did mention it in the notable versions. It would be Ella Fitzgerald. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. And it never fails, Dwayne, when I hear a beautiful female voice singing, mm. I say, is that Ella Fitzgerald? And almost always, it's Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. I do like the kind of lounge feel that this one has. There's some marimba, I think, in the background. It's not your strings and your piano like a lot of the other ones are. And obviously, it's got Ella Fitzgerald's voice. So this would be my favorite. What I like about that one in particular is it's very classic 
structure in the vocals. So it's unlike Samurai Carey or Ariana Grande, where they do all the gymnastic vocals, where they're all over the place. It's just very subtle, very mellow. Yeah, and I like yeah. that. I think mellow is the word there because I can listen to this one at 9, 10 p.m. at night. I'll have a whiskey, listen to some Christmas music, and I really enjoy that. But listening to Mariah Carey, it's not going to be very soothing yeah. to me. She's she's obviously an incredible talent, but I don't like those giant jumps and, and the, the real high notes and the belting. Yes. It's not at 10 p.m. I, and Ella Fitzgerald... She always does it for me. Exactly. So, uh, hats off to you, Miss uh, Fitzgerald. Beautiful. Good choice. Well, that was our take today, Dwayne, on the Christmas song. I'd be shocked if there aren't listeners out there saying, dude, you missed it. You missed this version, the X version, the Y version. And we obviously can't play every version under the sun. We'd be here forever, although actually sounds like a lot of fun to do, yeah. <laughs> especially with you. So if you have a favorite version that we didn't do, uh, write in and let us know. Uh, TinseltoonsPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear it. We, we should probably do a mailbag at some point, Dwayne, and, and get all of our um, critical emails together and say, hey, you forgot this. You didn't talk about this. You got this wrong. We're only human. We're not going to get it perfect. But I have so much fun doing this with you, Dwayne. I could I could do this all the time. And you know maybe uh, you know sometime in January or February, we can find another song that we want to talk about i can't speak for you but i'll make the time if you can find some yeah like i've mentioned before i've missed doing the podcast so i've absolutely loved coming back yeah and i've missed hearing you and it also just makes it a little more fun because you and i are on the same page when it comes to a lot of these songs and and it's been fun and you know, maybe we can do something in um, you know mid to late january i've also enjoyed the fact that there's two of us so when i did it as a solo host it was it was fine it was great i enjoyed it but about seen ideas off somebody else uh, as a duo or a trio i would love to keep doing this with you at whatever schedule we decide but let's not commit yep, to yep, anything yep. We'll, about uh, we'll play it by ear uh, listeners thank you so much for being with us all year I, kn- I know i didn't get as many episodes out as i hope to but i still love that you keep coming back and you keep writing in and and saying what you'd like to hear so let's keep taking this journey together in 2023 and I hope you all have the merriest of Christmases and uh, a happy and safe new year. We'll we'll definitely see you sometime uh, early in the new year. I don't know what song it's going to be. I don't know <laughs> when it's going to be, but you'll be as surprised as we are. I, I think it'll be the thing. So let me be one of the last to wish you a happy Christmas. Do you say happy Christmas or Merry Christmas in New Zealand? Um, we're pretty much a, a Merry Christmas. Yeah, we're Merry Christmas here, too. It's, it's, I think it's kind of limited to the UK when they say happy, but let me say happy Christmas, let me say Merry Christmas, and let me thank you for being here. It's been great. Um, I'm also going to try something a bit different. All right, let's do it. So, um, yes, Merry Christmas to everyone, and of course, Merry Christmas to yourself. But I'd also like to say, now, if anyone here in New Zealand who is listening to this, I apologize for how I'm about to pronounce Merry Christmas and Maori. <laughs> so Maori is our indigenous people, okay. and um, they their language is called Mary. I don't speak a lot of it on my day-to-day um, job, um, and they have their own version of the, the vowels, okay. but it goes something along the lines of Mary Kerihamete. 
I hope I got that correct. <laughs> Mary Kamara Hete to you as well, Dwayne. It was that was beautiful. Uh, I I love to hear these things, and I love to hear about you know different kind of cultures and how they celebrate and what they say. So thanks for bringing that. That was fun. Maybe you can keep bringing something each time. Something interesting at the end. We'll all learn something. Yes, I'll I'll, I'll also uh, be learning something as well. <laughs> all right. Well, Merry Christmas, Dwayne, and Merry Christmas to all the listeners out there. And looking forward to a a, a great 2023. Yes, Merry Christmas, everyone. Be safe, be kind, and we will see you next year. 